Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mama Marketer Podcast. I am your host, Olivia Hayes, and I am here today with my friend, Seth Cordell. Uh, Seth and I met through my work with the Libertarian Party of Kansas. So, Seth, why don't you take a few moments and introduce yourself to us? All right. Well, as you said, uh, name is Seth Cordell. I, uh, my wife and I are both chiropractors. We have offices in Lyons and Sterling. Um, in Rice County. I've lived most of my life here in Rice County, um, born and raised in Little River, um, now live outside of Lyons. Uh, we have a, a rough but beautiful little four-acre homestead that we're developing, and that's what I really enjoy doing in my free time. Awesome. Okay. So um, I love that you have entrepreneurship under your belt and you have that you have been in Kansas your whole life. Like I, I think those things are great and endearing and I love those about you. Um, so you kind of already told us your day job is being a chiropractor, correct? Correct. Yeah. So tell us about um, what, what led you to that? And your wife is also a chiropractor with you. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Um, what led you both to that as a, as a career? Well, I knew from early on that I wanted to be in healthcare. I've always loved being involved with people, helping people. Uh, I was a CNA for the better part of a decade before I went to chiropractic school. I did a semester in nursing school and that wasn't for me. Uh, didn't really care to go into medicine. And so I just kind of floated around and then I met my wife and she was a massage therapist and she worked for a chiropractor. And through talking, you know, meeting her, getting to know her, and then talking to him, I decided that's what I want to do and made the decision to go to chiropractic school. Uh, Teresa then started looking at going back to school also, and she was trying to decide between physical therapy and chiropractic. And then when I got into chiropractic school, she decided to sign up too and we are one of the very few couples that I know that started and finished chiropractic school married. That is <laughs> there, awesome. <laughs> there were lots that met there and then got married. And there were a few that were married when they started and then either one didn't finish or they just weren't married when they finished. But um, it was, it was a great experience getting to go through that with her. And even though we both went to the same school, same education, it's really neat how we've both kind of diverged in our theories, philosophies, techniques, you know, how we approach patients. And so it, it's really nice having both of us working together where if, you know, she has a patient that is tough and tricky for her, she's like, I think you need to see Seth or, you know, same for me. If I have someone that isn't quite working, like, I think you need to see Teresa. And so we have that flexibility within the office too. So, yeah, I think I've experienced that because at one point I had asked Seth, I had asked you about, you know, getting an adjustment and, but I was also like, but I'm also very scared. And for people that don't know, Seth is a big guy. Like <laughs> Seth is a large human. He's very strong, literally does strongman things. And I was like, yeah, I want an adjustment, but like, I'm afraid of you. <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> well, Teresa might be a better fit for you. So I think that's so cool. Um, we talk a lot about entrepreneurship and uh, family businesses and that type of thing on the show. So, um, tell us your real honest answer to how is it working with your spouse like all day and well, when you we, come home <laughs> we we were told by another married couple uh that are both chiropractors 
that if you want to stay married, open two offices. <laughs> that's why you have the two. And, and we, that's why we opened the two. Uh, I mean, you know, one is still slow. It's growing, but uh, we, we kind of jumped the gun a little bit on opening a second office because yes, spending all day in a confined office and then going home, it, it, it wears on you. So <laughs> we, uh, each day we go separate ways. So I go to the Sterling office Monday, Wednesday, Friday, she goes to Lions, and then we switch on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Oh my gosh. So, okay. That is so cool. Um, I love that. You have kind of the balance built right in, in more than one way. So that's really cool. Um, Okay. So we're about to get, you're obviously, you're a candidate for governor. We're about to get into politics for a little bit. So before we do that, I want to give you opportunity. You shared a lot about you personally, but can you tell us one more interesting tidbit about you that is non-political? Um, I love to make things and, you know, they're, Oh, what do you like to make? I was like, name something, you know, it's, it doesn't matter if it's wood, metal, foam. Uh, I do cosplay, so I make all my own costumes for that. Uh, we're, you know, living here on the farm at the homestead. If I need something, I, I like to make it. Um, you know, right before we recorded this, I just got done installing a new storm door on the back of the house and uh, garage door opener day before that. And Definitely plenty of opportunity to work with your hands when you're trying to be on a farm, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, I'm building plans to build my own uh, sawmill cool. in the next, uh, in the upcoming weeks. So yeah. Very cool. Okay. I love that. I love a good, I love a good maker. I think not everyone, like I'm not that great with my hands. Surprisingly, like I can design a website, design a logo, but you give me a pen and paper, it's not going to be the same result, right? Like I'm not that great of a maker. And a lot of people are surprised to find that, but I'm, I'm just not, you know? So I think it's really cool. Your kind is, is dying, you know, craftsmanship, people being able to learn a new skill. You know, I think people max out. They're like, oh, I know too many things. I don't need to learn that. I'll pay someone to do that tire or make that saw. But there's a rare type of person that's like, no, I can, I can Google this. I can YouTube this. <laughs> and the, I, I have very mild uh, dyslexia. And one thing that's really common with that is thinking in three dimensions. Mm. And so I, I can't put stuff on paper either, but I can picture it in my head and then build it. But that is I, really cool. I, I have to pretty much skip the putting it on paper step, um, except for I have a buddy who's a really good welder. And so he does a lot of my welding for me and, and he thinks the same way. So I'll describe something loosely to him and scribble it the best I can. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I know exactly what you mean. Cause he thinks three-dimensionally too. Mm. He'll go make it, bring it back. And it's perfect. <laughs> that is so cool. <laughs> okay. So that was a really good kind of last minute, just, you know, wanting to hear you, you know, people uh, per, as a person before the politics come into play. Right. So I appreciate that. So, okay. Uh, for my listeners, I am libertarian. I have been for a very long time. So if you need to pause or exit now, you can, <laughs> but yes, I am part of the best option you have at not being a Republican or a Democrat. I am part of the Libertarian Party. Seth is also part of the Libertarian Party. So before we get into your campaign, tell me what first attracted you. Like, why are you here? Before you are Seth Cordell for governor, Libertarian candidate, why are you Seth Cordell Libertarian? 
So I was, I was a pretty staunch Republican most of my life. Uh, I, I bought it hook, line and sinker that they believed in small government. And that's always been a huge thing for me is small government, individual freedoms. And, you know, when I, when I go back and I listen to like Ronald Reagan's, uh, a time for choosing speech from 60, 1964. And I listened to that, you know, that's what I believed the Republic Republican party was. And maybe in the sixties, they, enough people believed that, but they definitely are not that anymore. And so I just became really disillusioned with politics in general. And then when I was in chiropractic school, very early on, it was the Gary Johnson campaign uh, for president. And I started reading up on Gary Johnson and then what the Libertarian Party stood for. And, you know, you can get into the minutia and say, well, I don't agree with this, this and this. But, you know, the overarching, yes, we actually believe in limited government. We actually believe in individual liberties. We believe in equal opportunity for people. And, you know, those things are what really drew me into the party. Very cool. Okay. G- G- Gary Johnson was also what, what brought me in as well. I remember looking at the candidates that year and being like, there's got to be a better <laughs> way. Be, yeah. And, and I remember I looked up the Republican and Democrat candidates and they were kind of telling you how you should feel about these issues. And then I looked up Gary Johnson and it was like, uh, you know, gay marriage not the role of the government to tell you what to do. Uh, drugs, not the role of the government to tell you what to do. Abortion, not the role of the government to tell you what to do. And I was like, yeah, yes, this is what I want. So yeah, love Gary Johnson. Um, it's always interesting to hear the first campaign or the first person that brought people in. So that makes total sense to me. Um, okay, so you've been a libertarian for a while. Now this year you have decided to run for governor of Kansas under the libertarian ticket, you successfully got the entire party to elect you and well, not entire, but the majority of the party nominated you at our convention, just what last month, the month before. So tell me why governor, tell me why you're running right now. So for the last couple of years, um, I, I didn't do it this year because I knew I was going to be running for office, but the two years prior to that, I had been the assistant debate and forensics coach at Lyons High School. Um, You know, I did debate in high school as a state champion. I was good. I loved it. And working with the kids again, it kind of lit a fire in me. And the more I got to talking to them and telling them they need to do something, you know, I, the first year in, there were three kids, especially that were really motivated. Um, and before I knew it, they were looking up, you know, age requirements for them to be able to run for office and, you know, planning all of this stuff out. And I just kept, you know, pushing them that you need to actually do something outside of debate to change things. And then I kind of looked in the mirror and realized, what have I done? You know, I, I hadn't really done anything to try to change things. And so I started looking at different offices that were coming up that I could run for, um, you know, different things that would work with my job. Um, You know, one of those at the state level, a lot of people don't realize that the house and the Senate uh, 
well, just to be blunt, the House and the Senate don't get paid hardly anything. Right. So I wouldn't be able to leave my job for five months and then come back mm. to do that. And this might sound weird for somebody that's running for governor. Politics kind of bore me, <laughs> if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Right. Where the, the, the constant bickering and the back and forth and the deals and the this and that, uh, that, that didn't really appeal to me. And then I looked at governor and I view governor as more of a managerial role. Uh, you're putting people in the position that they can best serve. And you're kind of setting the tone and the guidelines for the state. And that is something that I think that I would excel at. Yeah. And certainly with um, managing a business already is going to give you, like I ran a company for a while and so much of what you do as the owner is literally taking your customer's need and matching it with you or your employee's talent and, and putting that together. So yeah, I can totally see that translating. Yeah. And so I thought that would be the best fit for me and my personality anyway, and started, uh, because I hadn't really been too involved in the party before I started thinking about running for office. And so it was, well, about two years ago now, the, even that I started, uh, I reached out to Matt mm -hmm. uh, through the party. And then he got me in touch with Dan, who happens to live in my town. And uh, so we got to talking more. And I went to some meetings, started going to all of the executive committee, the XCOM meetings, and yeah, uh, decided, yeah, this is something I definitely want to go for. Yeah. So Kansas is very lucky in the fact that we have an operations team. So he, he mentioned reaching out to Matt, who is our director of candidate recruitment. Dan is actually, uh, uh, was serving as a district leader and he's actually Seth's campaign manager right now. And full disclosure, I am also on Seth's campaign team, <laughs> just getting that right out there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's cool that you had a passion, you had a home. And when you were ready to take action, we had the resources available for you. And I also love that it was not, you see a lot of libertarians that will run just to like throw a wrench in the other party's plans just to be on the ballot, which is okay. Um, but that's not what we're talking about here. You had, you had a plan two years out, two years in the making. Um, and I think it shows. So I think that's really cool. Um, okay. That's a great why I love the introspection. I love leading by example for your students. Um, and also, I mean, I can't tell you how many times in the last 48 hours I've said, I hate politics. <laughs> <laughs> so I get you, I feel you on that. Um, okay. So I'm obviously familiar with your platform, but, uh, can you tell us your number one campaign plank, like your number one issue, your number one platform plank that you are running on. If you get elected and there is only time to do one thing, what would it be? That would definitely have to be uh, dealing with the overregulation of the food industry. The COVID was, I mean, was a spotlight on how fragile our food infrastructure is. And so in Kansas, you know, we call ourselves the breadbasket of the nation, but we're also one of, if not the top importers of food in mm -hmm. the country. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's ridiculous. And when you look at the reasons why, it's because the amount of regulations that are put on farmers and small businesses to try to grow their own food and sell their own food is ridiculous. And so I, 
when I talk about food regulations, I'll probably say the word ridiculous about 20 more times. <laughs> um, there's, there are just so many rules that people have to follow. And it's so expensive to pay people to make sure you're following all the rules that only the really big food production companies and processing companies are able to follow all the rules. Mm -hmm. um, you know, right here in Rice County, we have a cow main facility and they're, they pump out hundreds of thousands of eggs a day that ship all over the country. And I was talking to, I don't remember who it was, even if I did, I wouldn't reveal here, but <laughs> um, they said there's possibly some new regulations coming out that if they do, they would have to shut down this facility that is supplying eggs to a third of the country. And so putting, adding more rules is not the solution. The right. solution is to ease the regulations, eliminate those regulations to allow you or me to sell our eggs to the cafe on the corner yep. or to the farmer's market, you know, yeah, that's, that's the way that we're going to shorten that food supply chain. And while we're talking about regulations and crops and all that stuff too, we have to talk about uh, legalization of cannabis, because even if you take the recreational use out of it, it would be a huge cash crop boom for the state, not mm -hmm. just for the farmers growing it, but for the production facilities that would pop up. And so, yeah, when you, yeah, but you, you can't have that industrial production without the legalization for at least medical, if not recreational use, because as of right now, the few people in Kansas that are willing to grow hemp, it's not profitable because right. of the regulations surrounding it. So for sure. Yeah. I think it definitely goes hand in hand and uh, as far as we won't harp on cannabis too much because that's just too easy as libertarians. But one thing I'm always telling people is it's really way more in common with a carrot I'm growing in my garden than it is with a drug that you're going to get at the pharmacy. Like you just, that's just yeah. the reality of the situation. If you look at the genetic makeup of it for crying out loud. Um, and, and think another thing I'm always telling people, those regulations that are costing us money and keeping farmers trapped, those do not necessarily equal your safety. Look at all of the <laughs> FDA approved places that have had outbreaks of one form or the other. It, like, it, it doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't mean what it thinks it, what people think it means. So I definitely think Kansas should be allowed to feed Kansans. And by all means, if you still want to participate in commodity farming, fine, but there's a lot of us that just want to feed our neighbors and we, we should be able to do that. So I absolutely love that. I wanted to share something with you that you reminded me of. So, you know, and some people listening might know, I attended the Libertarian National Convention in Reno last week, and we were privileged to get a Zoom call from Edward Snowden. And uh, he's every bit the American hero that people say that he is. And someone asked him, he did a pretty decent sized Q&A portion at the end. Someone asked him, you know, you've blown the whistle on this kind of like security issue. What is the next biggest issue you think that Americans are facing? And he said, it is the idea that we can control things with more gates, with more regulations. You will never be able to control all of the things that you think you're going to control. It's like Jurassic Park, right? Like life is going to find a way. You're yep. never going to be able to cage the beast that is individual freedoms, especially not with more gates. So let's just 
chill out <laughs> and stop these regulations where we can. So you totally, you just reminded me of him. So that was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm about to ask you specifically because uh, we'll tell everybody where they can read all of your platform planks and all that stuff at the end, but I'm going to ask you specifically about some issues. So um, on August 2nd, it's obviously our uh, uh, primary elections, which I want to take a moment to remind everyone that even if you are registered independent or libertarian, you can still vote in the primary. You can go and request a ballot that is just the constitutional amendments that are up for vote in your area. So please make sure that we still show up to vote for the primary. Um, specifically in Kansas, we are voting uh, in regards to the Roe v. Wade overturnment, if that's the right word. Um, we're voting whether or not to uphold the idea that we do not need to offer abortion as, as a medical procedure. <laughs> mm -hmm. So um, it's a pretty big vote. And um, I am just curious how, let's say that you, I'm curious, one, how you as a citizen, if you care to share, how you plan to vote in August. And then I'm also curious, assuming you win as governor, what will you do to further how you feel about that, that topic? And I am not asking you to tell me, uh, this is not just for you. This is for everyone listening. I, I am not asking him to tell me if he is pro-choice or pro-life. I am asking him to tell me how he feels about the state of Kansas potentially banning abortions. That's the topic, the government being involved in medical procedures, not the actual medical procedure. So, okay, go. <laughs> okay. So yeah, a lot of loaded questions right there. Yes. Um, and uh, I let you, so, I, I, I rolled you into those slowly to be fair. <laughs> so uh, when it comes to this constitutional amendment, when I first heard what it said, you know, somebody just on the street said, oh, it is stating that abortion is not a constitutional right. My, my first gut was to say, well, that's true. It's not a constitutional right. And I'll, I'll clarify that by, in my mind, a constitutional right is something that the government has the responsibility to provide for its citizens. And that is what a constitutional right is. So in my mind, there are basically only three constitutional rights, and that is the protection of your life, your liberty, and your property. Three constitutional rights, that's it. So when somebody said, oh, it's saying that abortion is not a constitutional right, I thought, well, yeah, I, I agree with that. But then I actually read the verbiage of it, and it's saying that it's not a constitutional right and that it can be regulated then by the legislature. And so my first thought was, okay, the government is staying out of abortion. Great. Well, then I read that. And then when you take that and you compound it with, it was put forward by a Republican supermajority hmm. and they set the voting day on it for the primary when there's a Democrat incumbent, when a lot hmm. of Democrats won't be voting like that, that's the politics I was talking about earlier yes. that I don't have any interest in being a part of. So it's basically just a, a scheme from start to finish of the mm -hmm. Republican Party to totally ban all abortions. And then who knows what else they'll throw in with that bill because, or, you know, with that, you know, when they, when they start regulating it. So they get this amendment passed, 
and then they put a bill out to ban abortions, but then they're also going to put a dozen other things mm. on that bill. So for that reason, I am going to be voting no on August 2nd on this amendment. Now, my, my personal thoughts towards abortion, and I, I do plan on uh, putting out you know, some videos and information mm -hmm. later, going into more depth about it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But I, I think I would rather save my personal thoughts yes. for those videos where I yes. can explain things. And instead yes. of 30 minutes here. <laughs> yes, totally fine. No, that's great. I, I, I think that makes total sense and such a good example of why you should not just vote with the masses because you're told to. All of the bills are available on the website and you can go and find them. Do not read a reporter or your aunt's version of what it is you're voting on on Facebook. Actually physically go and read it yourself because when you get it from the horse's mouth, it's going to sound and look and feel different than when it's already through the filter of somebody else. So I love that you did that on your own as a candidate. And I'm also in agreement with you. I, it's, this is not a fight on pro-choice per life. This is a fight on government overstep. And I told someone, I think it was actually my friend Faith that said, comparing it to COVID, if you are for bodily autonomy for vaccines, but you are not for bodily autonomy of abortions, then you are not for bodily autonomy, period. So yes, I think it's it's important and we'll, we'll see what happens. And two, just knowing uh, like the insight you shared about how they're voting and when they're voting. It's so sneaky. Politics is so sneaky. <laughs> so um, yes. Okay. So I will just one last thing Yeah. in that my, when it comes to my personal thoughts on abortion. So when people hear me say that I'm voting no on this amendment, that I believe that there is a gray area mm. and that is where my beliefs lie. And right. so I'll, I'll go into more detail in that yeah. later. Yeah. And I am a person that believes that it's okay to live in the gray area. Culture tells mm -hmm. us to choose a side, but that's not the reality of the human psyche. And so I think that is totally fine. So I'm excited to see those videos. Um, okay. So the next thing I want to ask you about, um, I know that you were not attending Libertarian National Convention in Reno. I did, and it was horrific. <laughs> it was a very <laughs> stressful time and uh, it was a little bit disillusioning, but I also think that I'm coming out of the fog of all the decisions that were made there. And I'm just curious um, what your opinion as a candidate, someone that's in for the Libertarian Party so much so that you're running on a state ticket, you know, um, but also someone that was not there in the emotion of it. I am curious just your thoughts in general about everything that that you've heard about Reno. So I've, you know, I, I have friends on on both sides of this. And both sides seem to be, you know, we won or we won or the, the and I, I think that that is is crazy. Um, so the people that I know, that I know personally in Kansas that are members of the Mises Caucus, I love. Mm -hmm. I have absolutely no problems with them. They're great people. Uh, the group, I don't understand the, the takeover mindset. Mm. Um, I, but, you know, at the same time, I'm, I'm a state guy. I'm a state mm -hmm. level guy. I want to 
I want to work on Kansas. I want to work in Kansas and federal government. What happens at that level? That's a whole different thing. What happens with the libertarian libertarian party at the national level? That's its whole other thing. I really don't have a lot of interest in getting involved at the national level. Hmm. Uh, as long as whoever the powers that be are, you know, recognize that we're a political party and not a a pack or a social media group mm. you know we, we are a political party and the goal is to get people elected which from what i've seen from the people that i know in kansas the the you know the people that are in the mises which one of the mm -hmm. positions at national the people in kansas that are involved in that party are all about you know getting candidates that that can win and run yeah. those elections and so I, I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, the the okay. details, the ins and outs, I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> don't. Yeah, that's that's so so true. And yeah, time will tell on um, how much we're able to focus on Kansas. You know, um, and yeah, I think that's hopeful outlook. And I sure wish I would have listened to you several months ago when you told me the same thing that national doesn't <laughs> matter and to focus on Kansas. Um, and I loved what you pointed out, you were saying how I don't like the takeover mindset because it should have been like a makeover, right? It should have yeah. been like, I'm improving a thing, not I'm demolishing a thing because the thing you're trying to take over still has people that are not on your quote unquote team that are legitimate, real people that you have to work with. And so, yeah, I think yeah. maybe had it been packaged differently. I, I, I appreciate you pointing that out and, and just also pointing out that uh, I do think we're mostly on the same page in Kansas. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my hope at least. So thanks for, it's, thanks it's for that the debater in me, uh, yes. that debater, that, that words matter and how you package those words really matter. And that's something big that I'm trying to do with this campaign is people either don't know what libertarians are, or they have these far flung misconceptions when in actuality, if you were to just do a, a blind taste test of the three parties, I'm willing to bet a solid 60% of people would, would pick the libertarian. Yeah. I, uh, I had an interesting conversation with a bartender in Reno that was like, man, I, I like most of what libertarians say, but man, I, I ran into some young guy last night that was saying that he should have been able to pack a missile on the plane if he wanted to and, and bring it with him to the hotel. And that's just crazy. And so I looked at him and I was like, okay, buddy, you got a crazy uncle? He was yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, do you want me to judge your whole family on your one crazy uncle? And he was like, well, no. And I was like, don't do that to me then. You yeah. talked to one young gun that said that. And I'm not saying that doesn't, that people don't think that. Um, you know, we both know Dan. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but the point was we're such a diverse party and don't, 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 don't blame one of us or all of us for, for one. So yes, I totally agree mm -hmm. with what you're saying. Um, okay. So now I just, we have about four or five minutes left. I just want to see if you have any closing thoughts and I want to make sure that you tell people, um, where they can find out more about you, where they can engage with you online. So let us know your website, your social, and the, the best way that we can help, uh, if someone is interested in, in, in uh, helping with your campaign. So the website is cordell4kansas.com, uh, cordell4kansas.com. And 
from there, there's uh, links to uh, sign up to volunteer. There's uh, we're working on getting the links up to all of the media that I've done so far. Um, you know, other podcasts and new radio interviews, that kind of stuff. And uh, the most important button though is up in the top right corner, and it says donate. I have to get that plug in there. Yep. Good job. So, um, but that's where you can find me online. Um, also on Facebook, uh, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Cordell for governor and Cordell for Kansas there. And we're pretty easy to find. Awesome. Uh, we're coming out with all kinds of stuff. I have a great, uh, marketing director on my team. <laughs> I heard so... she's real spicy lately. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, awesome. Always content coming out there. Um, and also there's a link where you can email and, or you could Facebook message. And I try to do as much of that personally as I can. So if you have a question for me, reach out and I will answer it. Honestly, uh, transparency is a big thing for me. Yeah. So I, I want to put myself out there and even if I don't win, I want to try to help inspire other people mm. to run. We need fresh blood everywhere, mm. um, not just in Topeka. You know, right. your city council, whoever's listening to this, your city mm -hmm. council needs you to run so that we can get new, fresh ideas going. Yep, for sure. Um, Oh my gosh. Okay. I love all of that. Um, obviously you have my vote. Um, I'm going to link to all of his like website, social, and all of that good stuff in the bottom. Um, and as always, if you, even if you have a question for me about Seth, maybe it's not something you want to ask him directly. I am happy to, uh, to pass it along if you need to. So, uh, as always, you guys can chat with me, uh, either Facebook or Instagram, uh, about this. And I think, I think that's all I got for you. You got any last minute, last minute things? Um, yes, if there is a group, wherever you are listening to this, if you're in Kansas and you would like for me to come and speak to your group, it doesn't matter if it's a rotary club, if it's a classroom, wherever it is, if you would like for me to come and speak and share some of these ideas, I am more than glad to do that. Um, also, if your community has any kind of a fair or function, uh, please reach out. We would love to travel as much as we can this summer and fall and get to know as many people as possible. Awesome. Bye. Bye. <laughs>